Welcome into another edition of the WISports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at WISports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. As we are underway in spring sports, early May, we're not very far away from the beginning of spring sports playoffs, actually. Teams are going to be on the road. Teams are going to be hitting the, the, the playoff path. And so we do want to remind you to help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Again, spring sports uh, heading into the home stretch of, uh, of the season. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about spring sports, winter sports, fall sports, just sports in general. With today's guest on the WSN podcast, we'll bring him in in just a minute. Jimmy Cuska, great friend of the show, many years as a uh, a radio play by play guy, uh, doing some digital work for a TV station now, um, but kind of uh, you know got into the business uh, around the same time I did, and we've crossed paths and uh, worked together uh, on many occasions, and and so wanted to to chat with Jimmy and and kind of get an update on what's going on with him and. Uh, just talk high school sports in general, a great resource for for everything throughout the state. So, Jimmy, first of all, appreciate you joining us, taking some time to uh, to chat here on the WSN podcast. Travis, it's weird being on the other side of this because I've interviewed you hundreds of times and I'm on the other side of it. So it's a little different for me. Yeah, literally probably hundreds of times that we have that we have talked uh, on air for uh, football Friday night for um, halftime interviews for whatever it, it, it might've been right over the years. Um, as I said, uh, you know, I, I think our careers in, in the high school sports realm kind of matched up a little bit. Um, but if you could, uh, you know, kind of take us through your path to working in, in sports and high school sports, when did you start? How did you get here? Uh, I know you've talked about it before on social and some of the other things we've done. It's, it's pretty awesome, but, uh, you know, where'd you get your start and, and how'd you get here? So my interest really began when I was in high school um, at Flambeau, uh, Flambeau High School, very large high school in northwestern Wisconsin. Most people know it for a different gym, Jim Leonard, but I also went there. His dad was my basketball coach. In my senior year of basketball, um, I had a shoulder injury, so I did not play for a good chunk of the season, but I was interested in doing something else with it. And I noticed that we'd occasionally get radio people that would cover the game. So uh, one game, I decided to just kind of shadow them and just ask if I could sit and observe and see what they did. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I, I, at the time, thought that given that I was a really good writer in school, that maybe I would go into some form of writing. And well, um, you know, sports writing is is one of those areas. So um, that's really what got me interested in the first place. Uh, once I graduated high school and started looking for work, um, I started in construction, by the way. So I was, I was working in construction um, and um, I found my way to um, a house band night for a radio station. Um, the house band was actually my dad's uh, rock and roll, classic rock cover band <laughs> and uh, mullet and everything. And one of the station managers was there and I just sort of talked a little bit like, yeah, that's my dad. He's part of the band, a pretty cool. They're affiliated with the radio station. And I said, it'd be cool to work in some kind of sports media. That's kind of my goal once I start college here soon. And he just said, well, if you're interested, you could always apply with us. You could always work for us. So that gave me the uh, incentive, the motivation, I guess, the spark 
to uh, try to get into sports radio. So this is um, my first semester of college at UW-Barron County, uh, go Chargers, uh, formerly anyway. And uh, <laughs> and I called the radio station every day for six weeks, um, leaving messages, calling different people in the building, trying to find a human being to talk to me. And uh, this is in a day when there were a lot more people working in radio. So it was a little surprising no one actually reached back out. But after six weeks, somebody finally called me back. They, the first thing they said was, please stop calling us. And the second thing they said is, show up on Monday. You'll be working with Zach Finch, who was a longtime producer there and had still been doing radio as of a few years ago, I think, in Wisconsin. And uh, that was my way in as a producer into sports radio. Didn't take too long from after that to uh, get out and do my first game. Uh, my first game um, was Durant at Elmwood. So um, that was on Moose Country 106.7 in Northwestern, Wisconsin. But I got my start in the early 2000s, uh, 2003. And uh, since then, uh, I've racked up a you know a couple thousand more games and uh, a bunch of stops along the way. Do you know how many games you broadcast? Like, do you keep that kind of records? Like, what what kind of records and history do you have of going back to your time as a broadcaster? So I keep a spreadsheet. Um, I keep a lot of spreadsheets, but the spreadsheet right now um, that I have uh, open, I'm waiting for it to load in front of me to give you the exact number. I believe it is 2137. So 2137 games um, that I've either, either done color play-by-play or done sideline reporting for. Um, so that is the number right now. I don't have it broken down by uh, games I've done just play-by-play for or what I've soloed, um, but I do keep track of the schools, the venue, stations, <laughs> you know, what state it's in, if it's a playoff game, um, just something I've, I've done as a hobby. Um, I also try to keep track of any digital copies of the broadcasts in case um, anybody were to ask me, um, you know, uh, you know, for a copy of it. Um, some of that stuff gets lost over the years, uh, but I do have cassettes, CDs, uh, things like that from some of the better older games that I've got just as a, I guess, kind of a, an archive of broadcast history in a way, not that I'm making history, but I've gotten to work and been very fortunate to work with some incredibly talented announcers and producers over the years. Um, some of them are also in the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association Hall of Fame, uh, including my mentor, Mike Sullivan, the longtime voice of Eau Claire Sports. Um, I, I've I've got a number of these games that are, are literally just sitting in my archive here at home. And uh, it, it is fun sometimes to just kind of go back and, uh, you know, just, you know, if there's, if somebody's talking about a game, you know, on social media somewhere, I can go grab a quick MP3 and like, Oh, Hey, here's, you know, here's part of, here's part of that game that that aired in Eau Claire in 2005. You know um, I, I think that those things, um, like a lot of high school sports records kind of get lost over the years. And I know that there's a number of people, especially at Wisports.net, if you go to the forums that try to keep track of these things, you know, all-time records and rivalries. I know that you've got a number of tables that you use for the most played rivalries and things like that. And I think some of the stuff just kind of gets lost to history. So it's not a perfect preservation of these things, but it is something. And um, it's, it's pretty interesting to keep track of it. Knowing you, I, I'm not surprised by that answer that you had not only you knew the number, but that you had tracked it and had a had a spreadsheet and, and knew the whole deal. Uh, not not surprising at all uh, with the research that you do has, has always been extremely impressive getting ready for broadcasts and, the as you said, the archives that you've been able to put together. So uh, that's that's kind of outstanding. Um, you think back over the years, the, the games that you've done, 2000. 137, whatever, whatever the number was, which ones stick out the most? What, what moments, what games do you remember the most as you look back over, what is it almost 20 years now in high school sports broadcasting? 
You know, I, I think that some of my early ones stood out because I'm a person who will remember my mistakes much more than my successes because I'll, I'll think about it for even years sometimes if I, if I flub an interview or make a, a poor call because I don't want to make that same mistake again. I feel like that's just part of growing and, and learning in any business, but especially um, in, as, a, as a sports broadcaster, you want to provide the best possible service to the people you're covering. And I think that high school sports deserve attention. They deserve to be done professionally and done well. So I've always kind of approached it that way. So I'll remember, you know, things I'll say in a broadcast. I was just joking today that um, uh, on Twitter, uh, the, the Madison, on Madison newspaper, the Capital Times, the Cap Times, they're struggling to get verified on Twitter. They've got 39,000 followers. So I was joking that, well, here's me, uh, you know, freelance high school sports broadcaster with a couple thousand followers is verified. And I once referred to third and goal in a high school broadcast is third and about half of a sub sandwich. So things like that stand out, just the goofier moments. Um, I did, I've called games with relatives uh, involved. Um, my, my older stepbrother, for example, was the head coach. Um, in Lake Holcomb in boys basketball for four years. So I got to call a game in which he was a coach. I've had a couple of games that have involved, uh, you know, distant cousins. So those definitely stand out, but I do really like, and I really enjoy um, venues where, uh, you know, either it's like a kind of a homecoming or if I haven't been there in a while. Um, I know that this, just this past year, getting to go back to Kadat after they had renovated their gym, uh, just seeing that they had finally removed the old clunky um, metal bolted to the wall basketball rims above the doors and gotten rid of the, uh, the terrible splintering wood bleachers uh, with a brand new gym there. It was really cool to see because, um, you know, uh, you're in a place so long and you come back to it and you see how much things change. And, you know, that's, that's always remarkable. Um, I don't have like a specific game that is heads and shoulders above the rest. Um, I, I think back probably my most recent memorable game was the final one I did as a, as an employee, um, for the radio group I worked for, for 17 years. Um, I had actually gotten told that day, the, the morning of, that I was no longer going to be employed there, but I was still allowed to go out and broadcast a game for them that night. And that one stands out to me because I didn't bring it up once in the broadcast. And I think people were sort of expecting me to, but uh, for me, it's always been about the people that are involved in the game, the communities, the players, the coaches, parents, fans, all the stakeholders in high school sports. And it's not about me. I'm, I'm just the voice, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not part of that. Um, and I try to make sure that I keep that in mind. Anytime I go out, it's, it's, for the people that are involved in high school sports or any kind of school-based athletics. I was going to ask you about that. What do you see as your style as a broadcaster and who are people that have influenced that style, whether it's local people that you've worked with national people that you've watched and listened to your style and influences on that style. I would say that for me, I, I try to be authentic. I, I'm kind of a knucklehead. I like to joke a lot. Uh, I'm a, uh, I'm kind of an in the moment person. I get very excited very easily uh, by things that happen in games. I, I'm even more excited sometimes in a blowout game where players who don't normally get to play get in because for them, you know, that radio highlight might, might be the only time they get in a game to score a basket that year, you know? So I try to maintain an energy throughout a game. I, I try to stay engaged and interesting because I think people listening, if, if, you know, you can sense if someone's not enjoying it or not into it, right? It's pretty easy to tell that you can't really fake passion. So I'm just naturally excited about things all the time. That's that's just me. Um, so I would say that just having something that's authentic and, you know, sounds cheesy, but from the heart in a way. Um, and I don't know that I necessarily learned that from anybody, but when you listen to professional announcers or the people 
but I've been very fortunate to work with so many great play-by-players, not only like nationally, but like in the state of Wisconsin, which is a hotbed of play-by-play talent, um, large and small from our professional and college teams uh, right down into the high school realm. Uh, I, I think that the thing that stands out is that, it, you know, the, the ones that are very successful and have done it for a long time, stay true to themselves. Uh, they stay, uh, you know, they, they stick to what they do. Like, you know, they're very, they're very much within themselves with it. And I know it's, it's hard to, I guess, quantify or qualify, but I don't think you can fake things in broadcasting and be successful. And that's really the model I've approached with it. I, I think that the biggest thing with any broadcaster beyond just the authenticity of what you do is that you prepare well for it. Um, and preparing requires a certain level of passion and caring about what you're doing that if you don't do it, it's pretty easy to tell. So I spend more time off the air preparing for any one game than I do on the air. And that is something that was really instilled in me from the beginning by my mentor, Mike Sullivan in Eau Claire, but has carried through in all the stops I've made. Uh, most recently, Brian Postick, who is the voice of Wisconsin Badgers hockey. Um, he, he was the most recent person I worked with on a regular basis who really helped me along in terms of not only prepping, but, you know, learning to prioritize information on a spotter board, for example, I'm um, getting to work alongside Matt LaPay for years on the Badgers radio network uh, and his producers and seeing what makes it into a broadcast, what information is relevant, things like that. Those are, those to me have always been really big influences and in seeing not only how people operate on the air, but for me, the things I've paid attention to most have been what people do off the air to get ready for the broadcast. You mentioned the uh, incredible talent that we have in Wisconsin uh, from guys like Matt LaPay and Brian Posick, Wayne Larravee, uh, Brian Anderson, you know, the list goes on at kind of that state level. Uh, and I, I continue to be impressed with people that do it at the local level as well. Uh, one of the great things about, you know, what I've been able to do the last couple of years, um, you know, going out to more games than what I have in the past or being able to get farther away is getting to listen to a broadcast from around the state, as well as, of course, the streaming opportunities are available. And it's amazing to me the, the, the quality that you get at the local level. Certainly there's some guys that are a little bit, you know, too Homer-ish sometimes or, or whatever it might be, but there, there's a lot of really good people that uh, do a great job in high school sports. And of course, that, that includes you as well. Uh, we do want to remind people to help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. You know, Jimmy, I, I, we've had conversations and I've seen you post about situations over the years, just kind of goofy things that happen when you're out at a game or broadcasting a game. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, something happened in the game or you get there and there's no space for you, or you got to sit outside. Like what are some of those, you know, things that stick out memories from broadcasting that aren't necessarily a call, but just, you know, some of those things that happen out on the road. So I, one of my favorite stories to tell people about, I was calling a semi-pro football game in Minnetonka, Minnesota, I think about eight or nine years ago. And I actually wrote a story just to have something to link to. And I tell people about this because I had pictures from it. 
a semi-pro football game. Now in Wisconsin in the summers, there are a number of semi-pro teams and they're fascinating because they they kind of come and go like very quickly. Like some of these organizations last for, you know, four or five years and they're gone. Might have a lot of success in that time. Um, and usually these teams, especially here in Wisconsin, have former WIEC players, uh, maybe some high school players uh, that are, are just looking for something that, you know, they're not in college, but they're in the workforce and they want to continue playing football. Um, I've always found this particular segment to be fascinating. But back to the story, uh, I was in Minnetonka, Minnesota. It was a high level game. I think the teams were playing for a number one seed in the playoff. And it was stormy that day. And all of a sudden sirens are going off and on the, on, you know, on the radars and things that people had on their phones, they're saying, okay, well, we're in a tornado warning. And so they stopped the game when they saw lightning, of course, um, they brought the coaches into the press box. And at this point, the sky was pink, purple, a lot of colors of Skittles, right? It was, it was pretty, it was, it was, it was a little scary. I'm still on the air. I'm sitting there on the air, just trying to describe what's going on. Not sure if they're going to call the game or what the referee, the head referee, um, and both head coaches were in the press box right behind me. So while they're discussing this, I turn around, I grab my crowd mic out of the window. I stick it into this scrum. And they're talking about it, about what it's going to do for playoff seating and whatever. And the officials just like, look, we got to keep the guys safe. If there's a tornado warning, we got to go inside. And they're like, well, if we call the game, it, it, you know, does it affect anything? Nope. Records stay as they are. Both coaches quickly agreed and they got their teams inside the school. So I go back to wrap it up. And as I'm wrapping it up across the lake where I'm at, there's a tornado. <laughs> so I, uh, I sign off immediately saying no game today. It is called. And our next game is next week. Signed off, unplugged everything. Um, I grabbed a trash bag from a trash can that was empty next to me. I took all my equipment and just threw it all into the bag, all my notes, everything. And in flip-flops, uh, waded through ankle-deep water up to the school while getting pelted by hail um, in the middle of an active tornado warning that I could vis visibly see from across the way. So um, I would say that would probably stand out among some of the experiences I've had in calling games. I uh, don't recommend broadcasting during tornado warnings. So if there is one, if you're at a game, uh, you see lightning, things like that, uh, take it very seriously because what I did, probably not the smartest thing. Um, but that stands out to me uh, as one of probably, the, you know, if you're looking for a weird or, or surprising highlight for my career, that's one of my favorite ones to share. We're continuing our conversation with Jimmy Cuska, a great friend for many years, uh, high school uh, sports play-by-play -play -play, uh, broadcaster, now working on uh, a lot of the digital side at WEAU. Uh, tell us a little bit about what your job entails now and, and how much you are able to stay involved in the high school sports scene. One of the interesting things about the job I'm doing now as the digital manager at WEAU is that there's very little sports for me. And this is a, a big shift for me as a, as a digital manager, because in my prior stops, I've been largely just in charge of getting sports out there. And one of the things that was easy for me was taking my prep from the games I was doing or just covering the area and then turning that into web content. My interviews, podcasts, all of that was easy web content. Well, I don't have to do that so much at EAU. Um, occasionally, I'll get to write a release on, you know, say a head coach gets hired or something like that. But that's largely left in the hands of Justice Cleveland and his department, uh, the sports department. Um, and they do a phenomenal job of just covering some great stories from Western Wisconsin, um, getting the highlights, things like that. And justice is a pro's pro. So my role is much more news focused. Um, and it's been a different shift for me. And to be honest, it was a really hard adjustment at first because I had never really been in a, in a newsroom where, you know, the content kind of starts with us. Like we take in the information 
And then we sort of package it into the stories and the videos and things that, you know, eventually get broadcast or put on web. So it was a bit of an adjustment for me, but it was, it was nice in a way to have some validation for all of that when the station took home the social and digital media operation of the year award at the WBAs last year, because um, not only for me, just, you know, getting a, a few honors myself, but for the station to be recognized um, for the second straight year um, just shows that, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to do digital and social media. But um, I think the thing that's always kind of stood out for me for digital has been, I think it's part of the broadcasting style too, is that, you know, the station has a certain brand, a certain voice, and you try to stay true to that. So, um, it, 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 you know, and it's different for everybody, but that was probably the thing I was most proud of was not even the, the station award itself, but having the, the award for the best use of social media, for example, um, just showing that you can, you can learn these things in a, in a, in a medium like digital media that changes so often, like day to day, it changes and then still be able to have some success with it. Um, I think that to me was, was, was a big moment. Just, just knowing that the things that I'm learning and doing and, year 20 of being in media, uh, it, it, you know, I can still learn things and still do things at, at a pretty high level. Uh, and I think that was a good moment. So that's my day job part of it. I still do high school sports, but it's not for TV. All the high school sports coverage that I've been doing um, for the past two years has been 100% as a freelancer. And that's all based on relationships I have with radio stations uh, and other streaming groups um, around the state. Uh, I've worked with so many people over the years, shared press boxes with most of the people that I've worked with and finding ways to help them out when they have a gap in their schedule. Maybe they need someone to fill in on a basketball game. Maybe it's a station that has never done hockey before. And they're like, Hey, you want to do some hockey for us? And I'll sure. I'll lo love to do hockey. There's not a lot of hockey where I live in Grant County. So <laughs> the chance for me to go out and call hockey is amazing. Um, and uh, those are, those are the relationships I've developed over the years. And I'd like to think, that uh, most of the people that I've worked for would, would bring me back again if, if they had a need for it. Um, I would say that the broadcasting community in Wisconsin as a whole, um, top to bottom, whether it's radio or TV, is not only a pretty close knit, but it's, it's very friendly too. And I think people in this state uh, as broadcasters definitely look out for one another. And uh, when there is an opportunity to help, uh, I, I think most people are willing to give that. I have to give a a uh, well-deserved plug for a great friend of mine and and somebody that uh, got me involved the very first time doing anything in sports media, uh, Phil Nee, the longtime sports director and program director at uh, WRCO Radio in Richland Center. Uh, I don't know if you've if you've you know had a chance to to run across Phil at, at some of your games or not, but you know talking about people that influence you and and everything, I, I've got to take a moment to give a shout out to Phil who. Uh, earlier this year, did have uh, have a, a medical issue that you know kept him laid up for a little bit, but he's been uh, been back and uh, calling games, so it's it's great to see him uh, getting back out there. Phil is when I say that there are immensely talented broadcasters in places you would never expect in Wisconsin. I think Phil kind of defines that. Phil is a pros pro, um, believes in local over everything. Uh, when you listen to WRCO, even if it's not just for sports. It is Richland Center in the surrounding area. And where I live is pretty, I'm only about 25 minutes away. So it covers me too. And I have, I have not had the chance to work with Phil, but I have talked to him regularly for at least the past five or six years. Um, just 
picking his brain sometimes on uh, the coverage or, or ways they do things. And he's given me ideas of the way that they approach their coverage too, especially uh, for example, when uh, this past fall, when WRCO became part of the football Friday night crowd, uh, they would do their own kind of mini recap of some of the games afterwards. And it would include game recaps from some of their broadcasters. So it was an idea that I thought about. I'm like, well, if there are local stations that do that, you know, that's, that's such an easy thing and uh, for them to do, to apply. Uh, but it was just a great idea to know that you, you have all this prep, you go cover the game and then you're still able to turn that into content afterwards is brilliant. So I, I, I know Phil um, and I have not had a chance to work with him, but he is exactly the person in my mind, one of, one of the exact uh, definitions of, of, of the very talented broadcasters we have at the local level. And if you look around Wisconsin, uh, there's probably a Phil Nee in one of your communities that, that has been a mainstay and is absolutely dedicated to what happens right where you live. Absolutely. And, and we see that, you know, the people that, that we get to work with and around, we see it in the, uh, you know, the, the, way that those people have become ingrained in their local communities and, and in the high school sports scene. Um, like you said, there's, there's a lot of people around the state that, that fit that bill. Uh, Jimmy, you've been involved in high school sports for, for a number of years, as we've talked about, uh, you've seen things come and go, you've seen rules, you've seen conferences, you've seen sports come and go, you've seen everything uh, in, in high school sports. If you were given the power to wave a magic wand and change, let's say, three things about high school sports, whether it's a rule, whether it's uh, a date of whatever, whether it's whatever it might be. You're, you're, you're the czar of high school sports. You've got three things you can change. What would those three, three things be? And this is going to be a little bit, um, it, it, this might not be what you expect. I think the first thing I would change about um, high school sports or just school-based activities in general would be communication. Um, to be honest, I don't think that I, I think that there are certainly schools and conferences and even the administration as a whole. I, I think that there are people who do it extremely well. This isn't a knock at all on some of the great work that you see done um, in conferences like the Trailways or in schools like Mineral Point, um, or you know, even what the WIAA is able to do, um, um, you know, when they're discussing certain things. I think that there are definitely people in areas that do it well, but I think communication would be a top priority. And and this is horribly biased coming from a media a media professional, but. I think that there are times that the message just isn't clear for people um, when there's a proposed change or, you know, what's, why are things happening the way they are in high school sports? Why is my high school in this conference for one sport or, or 15, con you know, the, the, in these other 15 sports in another conference? And I realize that this information is readily available. And for the people like you and I that are very engaged in what happens with activities and athletics in schools, uh, it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, the information's right there. But I don't think it's always communicated as well as it needs to be. And it's not not a point or, or direction at any one entity. It's, I think it's just kind of across the board that we, we rely a lot on a lot of third parties, uh, media outlets, for example, um, to try to get it out there. And uh, I think that that would be an area to shore up, just making things a lot clearer for people in communication. And, and you know, to, to be quite honest, if there are data points that can be shared, just making things like that, if if it's allowed, um, you know, I realize there are 
proprietary things and things of those natures, you know, things that involve children, obviously, are, are, are private matters, right? If you don't, if you're talking about specific situations with, you know, athletes or students, but, in, you know, in general, just having some of those things more accessible. One of the things I really like about the state of Illinois, for example, um, when it comes to the high school sports area, is that they had a developer a long time ago who came up with their system of archiving school and coaching records in all sports, and it's all very easily uh, found right on their website. And I think the, that something like that um, sort of exists in a lot of different ways. Different schools have it, some don't, but it's not as consistent. So I think the communication would be an area for me that if I could wave a wand and fix, that would be one. Um, and, and probably because I've spent a lot of time thinking about how I can do it better, uh, even personally, um, in terms of, of making those things. It's part of the reason why I joined the school board in the district I live in is that I feel like that's something that... I have perspective in that I could help the district I live in do. So that's one of those things. Uh, I think the second thing, and it ties into communication, is accessibility. There are a lot of barriers in places uh, sometimes when it comes to getting you know people involved in sports or uh, even just finding out more information about it. So again, it's it's not bad everywhere. It's just in certain areas. I feel like that the accessibility, not only to information, but even to you know, finding your way onto a program and, and being a part of something, it can be tough in some areas. And it, it's a this is this is a, a a much broader topic with a lot of subtopics because there's, you know, there's not like a, a, a wave your wand fix for something like this. But you know, for for the average person going into high school sports, the the vast majority of people that want to compete in say high school athletics, they're not going to be doing it after high school. And I think a lot of times we focus so much on what. Um, you know, the people that that are succeeding at a high level that we're seeing the highlights and the headlines for, I think we focus on that a lot. We, we like to like to see the awards. We like to see the, the records. But there are a lot of people who participate in it, not just as players, but as managers, as statisticians, as people who are, are holding the first down markers and, uh, you know, holding the clipboards and things. I, I think that there are just areas that that could be better and more consistent across the board. Um, as far as, you know, offering any kind of um, you know, like a rule change or, or anything like that. Um, I think that, um, I think the third thing that I would think may, may help more, um, it kind of ties into accessibility as well. And, and that's, I guess, making, making the opportunity to take in a game a, a lot easier. Uh, I know that a lot of schools sign contracts for video streaming. Uh, every school has kind of a, you know, a different way of approaching how they want to get the word out there. But I think just kind of standardizing that somehow that makes it free for people to see what people are doing. Um, you know, that would, that would help too. It's, it's really inconsistent when you go school to school. Um, and I don't know that there's really, again, this is, this is another very broad, there are 400 plus schools and multiple teams and things. There's not a, a one size fits all answer to it, but I am disappointed sometimes when um, I want to, I want to follow a program or sport, or just want to learn more about something. I'm prepping for a game and there's a paywall and that, you know, to me, it just seems it just seems a little weird that there's a paywall to you know take in high school sports. I realize that people uh, operate in a business with it. I realize that I've been a part of that for 20 years, but I, I think that's a barrier for people, and and not just a paywall to view streams, but even for outlets to uh, pick up and broadcast a game from things like that. Uh, I think those are those are a few things that I guess if I had that power, I would work to eliminate. A very long answer. Um, and very broad topics, but um, those those are some of the things that I would I guess consider. No, that's good stuff, absolutely. And and a lot of things that you brought up 
that uh, that because we kind of share that viewpoint of statewide, we're not tied to a specific school. We look at things from kind of a macro level, right? That that we see things a little differently than than people that are, you know, focused on one school or, or you know, just kind of in their own little um, realm, if you will, for lack of a better way to put it. Uh, the the accountability and the transparency and the uh, the ability to uh, you know share information that goes beyond just the the X's and O's, the stats, the hits and runs and yards, but is the as you said the why behind things and how they work and why they work and uh, and everything like that. I, I think that's something that I have advocated for for a long time. Whether it's at the local school level with uh, we've seen more of it because they have to, right? Because traditional media outlets have have scaled back uh, coverage, but schools doing a better job of being more proactive, sharing the great things that their student athletes are doing. Conferences, uh, certainly at the state level, you know, I, I think there's there's still work that can be done to uh, reduce barriers from that perspective. I mean, we still, as, as you know, we still still deal with coaches that. Don't want to put stats on wisports.net because they don't want to get scouted. And uh, it's always baffled us as to why that is even a thing anymore in 2022. Um, but those are the kinds of things that, that, that I agree that, that we think about as well from, from kind of that larger perspective. Um, Jimmy, I, I know that in our earlier conversations and just kind of, you know, keeping track of, of what's going on with you, you haven't had uh, much action from the the play-by-play and, and broadcasting side this spring, um, but uh, you know what's what's on the horizon. What kind of things are you, you know, still looking at, still still planning on? Uh, because even though your your job, your main job, is kind of taking you largely out of the high school sport, sports realm, we love seeing you back in that area and providing your your talents and your services. And uh, hopefully that will continue. So you know what's going on now. What's what's uh, what's the next thing for you? Well, I haven't, uh, you know, in terms of just high school sports coverage, um, I managed to find 19 different radio stations to put me on the air in the past calendar year uh, for sports. So starting with last year's baseball, uh, all, or excuse me, alternate fall basketball or uh, football and volleyball. Sorry, I've been all these sports confused. Last uh, last spring, we had the alternate fall season and I got to do football and volleyball um, uh, for that. Uh, going through the spring baseball and softball season, um, ended up calling nine of the 12 uh, state baseball championship games um, last year, which was pretty crazy when you think about it four days of baseball and doing games every day including all three on the first day uh it was a fun time but it was it was a lot uh, and then going right into the fall the full football slate uh did half of the state football championships and then obviously into the winter um i ended up doing around 80 high school broadcasts in that span which is right on par with what i used to do just at one station as a sports director so still found my way into a lot of high school broadcasts last year um but i will say this um, I freelanced over 130 games last year, if you include college and uh, junior hockey and a couple of other uh, events that I called and just the work to try to put together, um, you know, pitching and producing and prepping and then calling traveling, you know, traveling is crazy. Every game I did, except with the exception of two, we're all more than an hour drive from my house in Southwestern Wisconsin. Um, it's an incredible amount of work and time uh, just dedicated to making sure that each game uh, you know, sounds the best it can. So one thing I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can do this year, first of all, 
uh, you know, this spring, um, I've got an opportunity to do a few playoff baseball games and softball. So I'll do a few. Um, I don't know that I'll get to do 75% of state baseball again this year. Uh, I'd be open to it, but I don't know that I'll get that chance this year. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, that that's still coming up this spring. Um, I don't really usually know during playoffs what I'll get until the day before sometimes, because that's the nature of playoffs. Um, in the spring season, as coaches will tell you, and, and administrators and players, um, it has been a, a brutal spring this year. It's been cold and wet and rainy, and then summer arrived this week. So, you know, there's not really an in-between that you would definitely enjoy for spring sports. Um, I haven't really looked beyond uh, that point, though. Um, right now, the only game I'm booked for after a handful of baseball is calling a, the, the college football bowl game in Sun Prairie in November uh, that involves the WIAC and the CCIW. So um, beyond that, I have not really set anything up on the play-by-play front. Um, that being said, that is all stuff that changes, uh, can change in an instant. And I have a lot of ideas of how to approach, um, you know, high school sports coverage going forward. Given that I'm kind of not tethered to a uh, one group or idea, um, I can be creative with that. And I think that the evolution of high school sports and any sports coverage has definitely trended more towards video. So I would think that at some point in the near future, uh, I think a video angle um, with the advent of things like OTT technology, uh, the accessibility uh, and, and the affordability really of being able to video and web stream uh, events, I think that'll be definitely something on my radar for something that I would like to do there. Um, the caveat to all of this, and for me personally, and the reason why I've really pushed so hard the past few years to cover so many games is that I deal with an autoimmune condition that is slowly making me go blind. So about seven years ago, I lost all my vision. I was completely blind for almost a month, um, able to work with doctors at UW Health to get vision back in one eye. So for the last seven plus years, I've been doing all of this and I can only see out of one eye and people think, well, that's got to be hard. It's only really hard when you've got a six-year-old who likes to, you know, throw things about three feet from your face and the depth perception doesn't work. Uh, that's the tough part. But it is a um, um, a progressive kind of condition. So at some point, I won't be able to do this physically. Just won't be able to see things, and you can't call it like you see it if you can't see it. Um, I haven't discovered how to do uh, football in Braille yet or anything. So uh, that is something that is. It's not like on the forefront of my mind. But I know that at some point um, I won't be able to do it. And it could be next year. It could be five years from now. It might be 30 years from now. Um, so I'm trying to do my best in the time that I've got to um, put together quality broadcasts, cover high school sports, uh, you know, really give it my all in the time that I've got to do it. Because as I learned uh, when this all on set seven years ago, uh, it was just a moment in the middle of the spring, you know, the day before I turned 30 years old, where I didn't think I was going to be able to do it anymore. So uh, I've really just kind of approached it that way that, um, you know, whatever game I do next uh, might might be the only one I get to do, right, uh, you know, going forward. And just to borrow the line from my mentor, Mike Sullivan, uh, the next game you do is the most important game that you do. So that's the most important game you've ever done is what he tell me when I go out the door in Eau Claire to go call, uh, you know, go, go call a game uh, there in northwestern Wisconsin. So I've tried to approach it that way. And I think that with the ideas and experience I've had that, um, you know, and the motivation to, to really do a good job with it. I think that at some point I'm going to have an idea of what I want to do next with that. And, you know, it, whether it's radio, uh, video stream, something, I, I think that there's something bigger and something cool that I can put together. Um, and I'm really hoping to work on that in the near future. Professionally, you know, with digital media, 
I think that we've all kind of accepted that the internet's here to stay and that people use social media. I think my job security as a digital media specialist is probably pretty good uh, until the, the, whatever comes after the internet arrives. So uh, I'm not too worried there. Uh, I, I actually really enjoyed the challenge of working in a hard news field where um, you have to you have to deal with things that are not sports. It's given me a better perspective on how a newsroom operates. Um, it's really made me a better writer, um, amazingly. I'm a more structured, uh, clear uh, writer that can organize thoughts better. And it's also helped me in broadcasting because in my prep, it's not so random and scattered. Um, I, I'm able to take notes a lot better as well. So everything I'm doing kind of feeds off of one another. And I, I think that even in year 20, I still feel like I'm getting better at this, uh, regardless of my pinned Twitter, where <laughs> I tried to do the Beyonce thing with all the awards in my arm. Um, I think that I, I, I'm definitely trying to uh, get better at what I'm doing every day. I, I went back to college, uh, UW Superior, got my degree um, after 13 years away from school, um, thinking that um, you know, I could learn a little bit more um, about news gathering, news writing as I went into a new career. Uh, it definitely helped. Uh, you know, online programs at schools are very accessible, as I talked about earlier, um, which has definitely helped as well. And I think that, uh, you know, I'll just keep getting better at what I'm trying to do with media coverage in the state. I think that the student athletes, the parents, everybody in communities, they deserve a good product and deserve the recognition for, for the work they're doing. Uh, and Honestly, I'm I'm just here to tell the story. Well, Jimmy, even though your primary job is kind of taking you out of the sports realm, we're very happy that you've been able to stay in high school sports and have put in the work and effort uh, to to make that happen and and deliver your talents to people around the state at as you said a number of different stations and and opportunities. And we're definitely looking forward to the next uh, next thing for you. Who knows? Maybe maybe a little. Be something working with us. We never know, right? We'll uh, we'll 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 figure something out at some point, though. But uh, appreciate you taking the time today to join us. It was a great conversation. Certainly, best of luck on on the health front. Uh, you know, again, we've been friends for a while, and uh, was was tough seeing that uh, impact you a while back. But glad to see that you know it's it's better anyway. And uh, you know, again, continued good health on, on that, and uh, great to see you know your family doing well and uh, the kids. Uh, love seeing those pictures and videos that you post. So uh, Jimmy Kuska, our guest here on the WSN podcast. Jimmy, again, huge thanks for coming on and sharing your story and a little bit about high school sports. Travis, I will just say this, um, with sports.net and previous to that with hoops, uh, not only for broadcasters, but uh, when we talk about fans, um, coaches, community members, the the service that provides uh, in what was an information vacuum before where there was just nothing, it was a void there. That stuff didn't exist before um, the foresight of the people that put the sites together, your work and continuing and growing it to what it is today. Uh, this is very, this is invaluable stuff for, for everybody in the state. Um, if you're in a school, if you're even remotely interested in what happens uh, with activities and athletics, so what a tremendous model to follow. Um, I've always thought that, um, you know, working with Wiz Sports over the years has been a real natural fit to what I do because 
Uh, one thing I am not good at is numbers and the ability, the ability for me to just log on to Wisports and just steal the numbers, you know, I credit it, but <laughs> that's been really awesome for me, but for, for hey, serious, at least you, at least you credit it. A lot of people don't. So we, we yeah, appreciate I know, you, but, you know, it's, you know, on a serious note, uh, just the sir, just having that service here in Wisconsin, it can't be, it, it can't be understated because when you look at other States, it, it is really hit or miss and mostly miss. Um, I think that uh, the, the service certainly, I think for people in Wisconsin, I think you'll find a lot of people that agree with it is, is incredibly valuable. The work that you and the team are doing at Wisports. Uh, I look forward to not only working with you on, on projects and uh, part of this in the future, but obviously I, I, I'm really interested to see how, um, how Wisports continues to grow uh, in a world where things are really rapidly evolving in terms of sports coverage and, um, you know, in terms of schools and, and everything that kind of goes into that, it's a it's a very very rapidly changing environment. And uh, I think that uh, having this, having with sports, having everything you're doing, is is a huge part of of what we're trying to do here in Wisconsin. Well, definitely appreciate that, and uh, looking forward to, to catching up with you the next time that we meet out on the road. Uh, speaking of meeting on the road, let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Great interview with Jimmy. Appreciate him coming on. Uh, that will do it, though, for today's edition of the WSN Podcast. I am Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game.